When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you loved the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. Blog Talk Radio. We're doing conversation. Enable people to come together through their social networks as friends and their friends to engage in a self-guided conversation on an agreed-upon topic. Typically, the conversations have self-identified co-hosts who hold different views, and they may or may not be from different ethnic groups, socioeconomic backgrounds, or political parties. Get the idea. Each host invites two of their friends to join the conversation, and participants follow an easy-to-use format that offers structure and a set of questions for getting acquainted with each other and each other's viewpoints. Conversations we find foster new relationships and they often result for parenting common ground. The vision for living in conversations is a world in which people who have fundamental differences of opinion and backgrounds work together with respect and even joy to realize the vibrant future we all desire. Living in conversations are special because people agree to follow six simple ground rules. It's all stuff we learned in kindergarten, but here's a real quick behind it. Number one, be curious and open to learning. Number two, show respect and suspend judgment. Number three, look for common ground. Number four, be authentic and welcome that from others. Number five, be purposeful and to the point. And number six, own and guide the conversation. So basically, no self-boxing, listen well, and be authentic. And if you look for common ground, people often find it. Enjoy your very own living room conversation. Welcome. This is Living Room Conversations Radio, courtesy of Coffee Party. And today we're going to have an exciting conversation about guns and responsibility. <laughs> hey, Loki, I think I <laughs> actually we're going to have a welcome, uh, welcome to our Living Room Conversation with a rare live show. Uh, from Coffee Party Radio, and I'm joined in the studio by my co-host and producer, Loki King. Uh, Loki, thanks for being here. Uh, we You're have a secret well. to sh- <laughs> we have a secret to share today. Living room conversations transforms our relationships with people that we thought we knew, and lets us get to know so-called strangers. And it's in a very, very good, deep, and meaningful way, and that's the secret. By talking with others using the guidelines that you just heard about, we start to practice listening, empathy, and finding common interests with others that we didn't know about. And what's the best part about secrets? Well, it's sharing them. So today we're going to hear from some people who have co-hosted and participated in one or more living room conversations, but not with each other. And they're going to share what they thought the living room conversations was, what actually happened, And we're hoping that these stories warm your heart and provide you with the hope that beyond the partisan bickering of a presidential election year, we can connect with each other and enjoy our time together. So let's get started. Uh, First off, I'm going to ask each of our guests to introduce themselves, uh, starting with your name, where you live, and when you participated in your first living room conversation and the topic or topics you've uh, you've, uh, had a conversation about. And... uh, so Loki is co-host and producer. I'm going to start with you, and then uh, and then we'll move on to uh, our other guests. Oh, um, I'm Loki King. I am the producer for many many radio shows, as well as helping out with Coffee our Coffee Party USA and Living Room Conversations um, in the beautiful state of Oregon. Kind of cold right now, but it's going to be a great time here today, and I'll just. Keep on drinking my coffee, and we'll have a great show. Thanks, Loki. And you participated in the guns and responsibility conversation. I'm trying to remember. It's one that you and I did. Yes, I did do the guns and responsibility show, um, mm-hmm. as well as all of the. I was involved in a couple of the interviews that we've had with uh, other host and co-host like uh, Eric Fogg with Talking Politics, uh, Joan Blaze and her uh, youth voting 
one that they mm-hmm. did. So it's I've I've been having a lot of fun, and of course, I'm always on with you know Janine Loudon um, doing some wonderful stuff over there as well. Um, so I am honored to be here with you today, doing an actual live show, and we will make it through. We will. I'm going to, um, if you want to open up all of the mics for our guests, um, we have four guests with us today who have all co-hosted or participated in Living Room Conversations. And uh, the first one I'm going to talk with is Rodney. Um, and Rodney, would you go ahead and share with us, you know, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Rodney Ferguson. And we, I uh, started doing Living Room Conversations because uh, Joan Blades uh, bugged me about it. We were playing basketball together. And I like to talk a lot, and so she said, well, why don't you come and do living room conversations? I said, absolutely. Um, Lo and behold, uh, I was one of the liberal guys from Oakland, Berkeley area, in in the Bay Area, and we were joined by some conservative folks, and we were talking about, I think we were talking about about crony capitalism, and... uh, but it, of course, branched off into a whole bunch of different areas because it was one of the first conversations. And uh, it was a blast. We had a really good time. Uh, it got a little contentious there for a bit. and uh, But then we, we, you know, we found common ground, and it's just a lot of fun. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Rodney. All right. We're going to go on next to, um, let's see, who do I have open here? Anita. Anita, would you share with us where you live? When you participate in your first living room conversation, the topic or topics, if you've had more than one. Sure. Um, I'm so glad to be able to join you all today for this because um, I've been a participate a participant in two living room conversations. I'm in um, the Bay Area as well, in the East Bay, in San Ramon, California, and. Um, it was really interesting. The The first living room conversation I did was actually uh, kind of like a video conference. So we weren't actually sitting in the same room together, but we could see each other, um, which is really helpful um, just to see people's faces and facial expressions. And, um, you know, I, we were – what were we talking about? We were, I, we were just talking about, I think, our experiences, our political experiences and um, – you know, how that affected the way that we engage in our communities. Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I think that topic, Anita, was on freedom and what freedom meant to us because we prepped that. We did this per- intentionally online so we could um, record it and ha- and play it during a conference, during lunchtime in a conference. Oh, yes, that was fabulous. I'm so glad we were able to contribute to that. And it was just really interesting to hear how people's um, – you know, sense of community really affected their perception um, and their own definition of freedom. And so to be able to share that, I think, with the ground rules that the living room conversations had um, made it enlightening and not as, you know, I think we weren't set up to fight with each other. So that was, I think we all learned a lot, which was great. Um, And the second living room conversation was actually in a living room. Um, I was there with Rodney in Joan Blades' living room. And, um, you know, we were talking about how our experiences um, shaped our participation in the political process and whether we, um, you know, engaged or disengaged um, and why that was, you know. And so it was really interesting there, too, to hear, again, how personal experiences really affected people's, um, participation in political process. Yeah, thanks, Anita. Uh, let's bring Lewis in on the conversation now. Uh, I think I think we have this a Bay Area plot going on here. You guys start a lot of things. So, Lewis. So Lewis Hi. Uh, I'm suspecting that you live in the Bay Area. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm Lewis Griggs, and I do live in the San Francisco Bay Area right now in Marin County in the houseboat in Sausalito. But I've lived in the Bay Area 40 years, and um, my entree into this wasn't as much um, a surprise what it feels like to have diverse conversations, because my whole professional career is about human diversity, and my whole political uh, consciousness of my whole life has been about how the gifts of democracy um, come from different perspectives. And so the surprise for me was 
that there are others who feel that way, who actually want to talk about their differences and what a gift it was. So it started when I met Joan Blades and was invited by her to to co-host a living room conversation in her living room about politics and talking from the conservative and the progressive sides. Um, So, as I said, it, it wasn't a surprise to be able to have such a conversation myself it was a surprise that there are others who love it as much as I, and I just love the process. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't your conversation actually on uh, supply-side energy solutions or tax something no. about energy? What was no, your conversation not that, about? No, not the first one. It was about talking about politics and, okay. and specifically having us represent our own personal perspectives and just see what that felt like with the others in the room. Well, uh, and let, let's bring in Jacob, who I know is not in the Bay Area. He's one of our uh, con- one of our conversation organizing partners in Utah. I gave that away, didn't I, Jacob? Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? We can. I, uh, yes. Yep. I am in Utah, but I've been a 49ers fan ever since Steve Young played. Yay! So. <laughs> 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 uh, I have uh, done uh, living in conversations on immigration, guns, gun rights, gun control, uh, gay rights and religious freedom, and evolution. And I'm a I'm I'm a junkie. I'm a dialogue junkie, and excited to have this conversation today. I've uh, I've read Rodney's writing, and uh, it's fun to meet you all. I've heard your names more than I've talked with you, so. Nice to be on the call with everybody. Great. Thanks to have you, Jacob. And whoever, if somebody's got some background noise going on here, I'd like to keep our mics open if I could. Um, so if you can use your own mute if you have a bad, if you have some background noise, that would be great. So thanks. So I, I want to go around the circle again. Oh, I guess I should say, you know, Debbie, when I'm, while I'm the host here, I don't even know if I said my name at the top of the show. Um, I'm the managing partner for Living Room Conversations, and I've had criminal justice reform conversations and talking politics and guns and responsibility and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, I I watched the Freedom Conversation as we were recording it. I didn't didn't participate in that one, but I feel like I did because I got to watch it. so, yeah, just all sorts. We I think we have over 20 different topic materials online. And and so thank you all for sharing, you know, the different topics that, you, that you've talked about. I want to go around the circle again and, and have each of you share a story from your living room conversation that may have been like an aha for you or something that surprised you, uh, something you learned that you didn't know before. Uh, and, and how it, it, you know, what is your story of transformation from going through, you know, spending a couple hours with people in the living room? And uh, I'm going to go in reverse order this time, and Jacob, if you want to lead us off, that would be great. A story of transformation. Yep. Uh, we had... Uh... Some of my Mormon neighbors and some of my gay neighbors, we invited them to do a conversation, a couple of conversations, and my co-host was a lesbian activist friend of mine, Tracy Hollister. She invited two individuals, and I invited some of my Mormon neighbors. I am LDS. I'm religious conservative myself. People were nervous initially. Uh, they... the uh, Michael and Tyler, um, this couple was quite nervous about what they worried might be a debate. So it was quite a contrast between the beginning and the end when by the end of the the evening, nobody wanted to leave. We had to kind of tell them to go home. <laughs> um, right. You know, they were exchanging numbers and hugs. They were like, okay, everybody, all right. (laughs) And so the the most striking thing was just the affection that existed. Even though we hadn't come to a place of, quote, resolution or agreement, it's not like 
we reached the place where, oh, okay, you're right. I was wrong. None of that happened, but something else happened. So uh, kind of a deeper shift where we saw each other differently by the end of the conversation. And that was, that was one of the most striking moments and not uncharacteristic of the other conversations, but certainly more dramatic and poignant because that's been a real aching conflict here in Utah and across our nation. So, you know, we figured if we could have a conversation about that, then we could talk about pretty much anything except vaccination, which I think is even harder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Indeed. Um, That's, yeah, that, that was my experience. Well, thanks, Jacob. I, I appreciate you sharing with that. And we'll come back to that vaccination thing here in a little bit. Um, Great. Would you, you want to share something that surprised you or yeah. happened? Yeah, of course. Um, what surprised me is what surprised me. And since I've done my whole year, my whole life on diversity, I had no surprise about the different perspectives. And I actually had no surprise about um, the histories of the progressives that, that Joan had invited, the personal histories, which was wonderful to discover them so personally, but it wasn't a surprise. So, ironically, the surprise was the two conservatives that I invited, um, again, whose perspectives didn't surprise me, but their personal histories did. So let me say what they were. One of them was a Mormon woman who was raised also in Utah, coincidentally, and but had lived here in the Bay Area and had become totally silent. She, in fact, lives in the East Bay because she believes and had experienced that her perspective was not really welcome to be heard. So she had become totally silent about all her perspectives, and that was her survival skill. And therefore, she was really pleased to be in this conversation where she was not only allowed to share her feelings, but that it was welcome. And then, however, the other conservative I brought was the leader of the Republican Party in the East Bay. And and he, of course was totally talkative and always was public about his one-sided views and his right side, of course, of, of, of every perspective. And so I loved having the – so I was surprised by the extreme 180-degree difference in two personalities whose politics were similar but whose expressions were completely different and whose histories in getting – um, their perspective was so different. That's what was so nice. So the bottom line is, in for all of us, is the personal histories and stories and experiences that brought us through the doorways we came through into our current perspective. This was really worth knowing much more importantly than just hearing the intellectual political perspectives, if, if you know what I mean. The personal I histories do. were the value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. Some of the yeah. uh, criminal justice reform work that I did involved talking with some ex-convicts and um, or formerly incarcerated, I forget what the PC term is, but people who had spent time in prison. And the stories that they shared about how they got to where they were were right. both, you know, heart-wrenching and, uh, and at the same time inspirational. So exactly. yeah, I, I understand that entirely. Yeah, uh, it's, as if, it's as if when we hear one another's histories from an authentic sharing point of view instead of a righteous point of view, every single time we come to the recognition like, oh, of course, no wonder you feel exactly that way, you know? <laughs> exactly, and yeah. I, I find that liberating. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lewis. Uh, Anita, what about you? Um, You know, I think... What Lewis identified was something that I was thinking as well, which was really the level of nuance, you know, that people brought to the table. It wasn't just you were for something or you were against something. You know, we might have been brought together because, you know, half of us have generally conservative views and half of us have generally, you know, progressive views. But but there was more to it than that for everybody who participated. You know, they might have had personal stories or, you know, they they might have what's considered a conservative view on one topic, but on another topic 
or in an, another aspect of the same topic, you know, a more liberal view. And, you know, I, I feel like that's something that was really special about these living room conversations is that that's not, you know, and you don't see that reflected so much in popular media. You know, it's, it, it, it feels like everyone is so extreme or what's, what's, you know, amplified in the media are these very extreme viewpoints. And there's not a lot of, like, personal history behind it. There's not a lot of nuance. Um, and that, I think, is what really brings the humanity to the conversation and, you know, I, I think makes us able to hear each other better because we can con- connect with each other on a personal level that way. So it was really the nuance that, um, you know, that people were willing to share that really touched me and, and I think... Um, helped people to hear me as much as I could hear them. Yeah, thanks, Anita. Um, I, I, I'm just remembering, you know, from that freedom conversation that I was honored to, to watch as you guys were having the conversation, uh, you know, watching one of the other participants who's Muslim open up and share some of his experiences and how that didn't impact the whole group, just hearing from, from his experience. And also from the uh, the law enforcement officer that was on that call as well, and we were talking about freedom. Mm-hmm. It was, it was uh, yeah, it was very touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm going to turn to Rodney and and just uh, how so what happened for you, Rodney? Well, I've been in a few conversations, and the first one, uh, <laughs> I mean, we we're in Berkeley, and this guy from the Tea Party shows up, like one of the founding members of the Tea Party. So I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm so excited to meet somebody from the Tea Party because in, you know, in Berkeley and Oakland, you know, the Bay Area in general, you're kind of like, you know, it's an echo chamber. You know, who's more liberal than the next person? Um, and so really seeing a, a true live Tea Party person uh, was real, like, like like a total blast for me. And but like I said, the conversation, um, I think we're talking about crony capitalism in that first conversation. And, and and we went back and forth, and it was fun, but then it started to heat up a little bit. But what came out is how similar the personality, my personality, and, and the Mark Meckler, the, the um, Tea Party guy, how, how similar we were in personality. We both love to talk. We both think we're right about absolutely everything. And it, it was just a real party to talk to somebody like that. Uh, what we What I got out, the surprise of it was, I mean, he's wearing this cowboy hat. I mean, you know, the cowboy boots and the whole bit. You know, probably drove his drove his truck. You know, pickup truck in and the whole bit. And it's just, it was, it was. He's, you know, kind of. He's trying to be stereotypical, and he really succeeded really well. And uh, and I was kind of in my uh, Black Panther garb, as close as I can get without being totally ridiculous. And um, and it was, it was just, it was just the similarity in our personalities really stuck out with us. And then we really had a good time going back and forth. Um, I was a philosophy major in school, and, and, and kind of listening, you, you listen to the conservatives, uh, like on these talk shows or whatever, and they sound crazy to me because I'm so liberal or progressive, I guess. And but there's, there's a there's a, there's a deep seated uh, psychological outlook um, that, that that that's there that's just not in me, um, and also there's a logic. That it's overlaying that as well. So, so you have this deep psychological thing going on, all these presumptions, and and then a, then a logic that kind of justifies what's going on. And I have the same thing, but on the other side. So, kind of seeing that and say, you know, from their point of view, from their world view, everything they say makes perfect sense. Once you given all their biases and all their life experiences, it makes perfect sense what they're saying within that framework. Right, they they they're not being totally inconsistent, you know. So you know, it, it, it's a consistency within a framework that was really interesting to me. So then that and that's why it's so hard for the, you know people to really go back and forth between these different perspectives. The living room conversations, however, makes you see some. Well, if they're internally consistent and I'm being internally consistent, where is there some common ground that we can we can maybe do a new. Um, kind of um, logical framework that can incorporate both of those points of view and both of those kind of psychological uh, mindsets and and how we can work from there. 
And that's the challenge of liberal conversation and the kind of it succeeds at that. So that's mm-hmm. why I like doing it. Yeah, thanks, Rodney. I, I just want to note that um, when Mark Meckler and Joan Blades have, uh, you know, because Joan Blades co-founded Move On for people listening and don't know that, um, when they talk about this first living room conversation on crony capitalism, Mark jokes around about driving his dually into Berkeley right. with his cowboy hat and such and a gun rack in the back. So, so yeah, he did drive his truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it totally stereotypical. He, he just enjoyed every second of it. You could just tell, like, here, here I am, the big cowboy. You know, it's just hilarious. <laughs> this is a really fun guy. Really fun guy. Yeah. Well, in the blog you wrote uh, about that, uh, also Rodney, I know resonated and was lots of fun to read, uh, to talk. You know, in, just in recognizing the similarities of your personality types and the showmanship right. of it. Yeah, and that was great. Uh, Loki, I want to get your voice in here because you have. Uh, you've had a couple of living room conversations besides helping us, you know, promote, record, and edit and promote them. So, what do you have to add here? Um, I have done a couple. Uh, okay, I'm unmuted. <laughs> Live <laughs> shows. Um, you know, I've done a couple uh, living room conversations. The first one that I was actually involved in was when we, as hosts for the Copy Party Radio Network, got together and actually did the one uh, on guns and responsibilities. Now, it was unique for me to see all the different perspectives of the people that we had involved. We're all very diverse in communicating because this is what we do. Um, So that wasn't really an issue. But there were still spots in the conversation that you could hear in people's voices and just the way they would uh, come at things that they were sort of stepping back and taking another look at a situation that they may have never even thought of. Um, And just to see that even though we can have um, differing opinions and come from different backgrounds, we can still learn from one another and take different looks at different issues um, in different ways. The biggest issue we need to remember and what our society struggles with is we always go into a conversation with the walls up. And the nice thing about the living room conversation is it takes you back down to the basics and you have to really step through the whole process and you can't, um, have your guard up to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, so I was Loki, excited just about to, just to, just to bring that back to your personal experience on that. What what surprised you in that conversation for yourself? I you know I think the biggest surprise for me is that we have right now um, this movement of wanting to take guns away from people. Um, and even though there was individuals in there that for themselves did not believe in owning a gun or the feel it necessary to own a gun, they weren't, they weren't willing to take somebody else's choice or right away from them. And I think that was the aha moment for me in that conversation was personal agendas are being pushed and it's not an agenda that everybody agrees with. Right. Yeah. Can I, can I out you here a little bit as, um, sure. maybe, maybe a little libertarian leaning. That, you know, I am, I am, um, which is kind <laughs> well, of, I just want to make, make sure that folks who are listening know that, you know, you're, you live in that, in that world of, of personal responsibility, um, taken to what other people consider an extreme. And so that, I think that was a really important point for you to to talk to people who are both progressive and moderate conservative and understand that, you know, that story wasn't, didn't really exist in real people. That, I mean, that is very true. And I am, I am the oddball out, um, in a lot of aspects, um, because I am a member of the LGBTQ community, um, 
I am libertarian with a small L. Um, so I deal with a lot of issues and struggle with a lot of issues there, but I'm also willing to learn um, from a lot of different people. Like I produce a radio show on Copy Party Radio Network um, where I'm working with a Muslim and a Catholic. And a lot of people think that these two styles of faith or belief systems can't get along and uh, work together. And it just blows my mind and is amazing that, you know, you throw all the labels away and you start dealing with real issues as a human being. Anything and everything is possible. Mm-hmm. I think one, that's one of the things I think we have so much fun with, with living room conversations um, is, is in doing that. And uh, we're, we're going to go around one more time before we just kind of open it up to um, have an open conversation and hopefully we don't trip on each other too much. Before but you do that, I, I, Lisa, okay. before you do that, as your co-host and your producer, I'm going to jump on you and I'm going to mention you are listening to Living Room Conversations, a special episode doing it live here on Coffee Party USA Radio Network. If you would like to join in on the conversation or discussion, you can do so on the chat room, as well as you can also call in at 646-929-2495. That's 646-929-2495. Thanks, Loki. You do keep me in line. I appreciate that. Um the the last round that I want to do just on our on our call today uh, on the show before we open it up for conversation really is just to share what happened after the living room conversation. Um, some of our early materials didn't have uh, a place for people to plan next steps, and so they were, they were like one and done. And we've since modified them to ask people to kind of like make a declaration about what they're going to do with what they learned at the living room conversation. And... Um, and so I just want to see, you know, how that's working for you guys and what happened afterwards. Um, and I'm going to start, I'm going to go out of order this time. I'm going to start, Lewis, with you and see if uh, if you have a story about what happened afterwards. Yeah, it um, just increased my uh, gratitude for discovering uh, that Joan does this. And, of course, she's not the only one, that all of you who do this are doing this. And it, since I've spent my life feeling this way, it, it made me very clear that I want to be a part of it. And so I want to do more living room conversations, co-hosting them with Joan, maybe one every month this whole election year on different topics. And she had a great idea that I, being a, a conservative, I mean, we all have differences. I'm liberal on some issues and conservative on others, but I'm a sort of label conservative and therefore she had a great idea that I should get two you know right wing conservatives together with two centrist conservatives and republicans and talk about what this amazing process that's going on now in the republican side of these primaries and because there's almost more conflict within it than there is within the democratic two so that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do is more living room conversations and and hope that that only spreads the word and the excitement about them, but even helps raise some money for the foundation so that it can grow and grow and grow. So those are my well, next thank steps. You for the, well, thank you. I, I, I love that. And remind me to put you in touch with Bill Shireman at Future 500 mm-hmm. because he's working with uh, some folks that he calls them Nike Republicans. Um, mm-hmm. So folks that are more socially progressive, um, but fiscally conservative, that are within the Republican Party. And that yeah, that's what I that's what I am. I'm about as progressive and liberal as you can get on all the human rights issues, and about as conservative as you can get on the financial issues of enterprise right, right. and some of the international issues. So that's true for several of us. It's true. So very cool. So yeah, uh, labels aside, uh, yeah, just I'll try and connect you guys later. Um, Great, Jacob. How about you? Yeah, sure. Um, 
I uh, wrote an article with my co-host, and that we shared that uh, throughout our networks. Since then, um, we haven't done much more beyond that. But I'm in, I'm kind of inspired to hear others other stories of what came out of it. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jacob. I'm sorry. You don't get away with that one. You did the whole Village Square hybrid thing. You've written many blogs. <laughs> You've done other conversations. Okay. Well, I, it, I, I guess it depends on what counts as connected to, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. Like, we, we wanted to do a larger community event where we um, had a dinner and had a group, a dialogue group that was working on gay rights, religious freedom dialogue. And we highlighted them. And uh, the early living room conversations certainly uh, were kind of proof of concept for some of what came after. Um, I, I think I was assuming you were talking about something kind of directly coming out of the conversation. Mostly we just uh, were focused on getting them out of the house, remember? That was our, our main right, action. Yeah, right. Get out of here. Get <laughs> you out have here. to go home now. That happens yeah. so frequently. It's, it's it's become a joke with us now. I wanted to I wanted to just interject and, and just say I was touched by you know Lewis and Rodney. Is it Lewis? Is that uh, your name? Yes. Who just spoke? Uh, I was struck in just what you shared initially that both of you said something to the effect of uh, coming away realizing well of course of course you believe that. And and I can understand why you believe that. I think Lewis, you focused on because of their life story and their experience. Right. You had more empathy of oh well of course why someone would believe that. And I think you focused more on worldview and assumptions that you know right. if I had that same worldview and narrative and assumptions. I think what you would I, think I would probably I'd probably believe yeah, that too. And I I just think that is such a powerful outcome. Imagine our country. Mm if the only thing that changed, like everything else kept the same, if the only thing that changed was our leaders were like, you know, I disagree with you, but I, I get, you know, if I had your life experience or if I had your life philosophy, I would probably believe the same thing. I would probably be feeling the same way. That that empathy alone, I think, multiplied throughout the system and our country could really change things fundamentally. So exactly I appreciate right. I, I, I appreciated you both saying that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. That's exactly my perspective and my whole philosophy and my whole last thirty five years of professional life as well as personal life is to try to help teach and facilitate and grow that exact consciousness, especially in the workplace where we have to work together and have common goals, you would think it would be easy to understand that toward whatever our common ground is, it is our diversity that gives us the gift to achieve that common ground instead of us all being, you know, like robots exactly the same. So I, I really see all of our diverse perspectives as huge gifts to one another, not as things to tolerate. And I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, rare, yeah. I'm rare in feeling that way, but that's my life's work. Well, I'm not quite as enlightened as Lewis. Um, I, I, I can I, I can empathize and I can sympathize with other people's point of view, um, but um, that doesn't stop me from trying to convince and change people's minds to see my point of view. Uh, I'm not saying that their point of view is less um, meaningful to them. But I also believe there's an objective reality uh, that 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 we need to look at, and I think I, <laughs> I'll just be frank. I think I think my view of, of objective reality is more objective than most conservative views of reality. So I mean, and I know that sounds terrible, but but I just believe it. So so you know, I, and I like I like arguing too. So Joan has had to like like kind of coach me on, on being a little more like Lewis, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> so so, well, so I, mean, I, I might be the liberal in the cloud, but it doesn't mean I'm any nicer. So there, <laughs> we'll just yeah. keep it that. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, right I'm in, just right laughing at the meet. objective reality piece here, too. Uh, we need to bring Anita in, because otherwise we're going to just talk over all the women. So if okay, you guys okay. can hold on just a second, we'll do open conversation here in just a minute. But let's get Anita in uh, about what happened next. <laughs> So I'm 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 really amused and very interested in the conversation as it's happening here. So you know I kind of hate to break up the flow, um, uh, you know, because I have some thoughts on that too. But in terms of next steps and what happened after some of the conversations I participated in, um, one really nice thing that happened after the first conversation on freedom was that um, the four of us became Facebook friends with each other. And um, it was really kind of neat for me to see um, some of the posts from our the participant who was um, he was participating, I believe, Devlin, from the Muslim kind of conservative point of view. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also something of a comedian, you know, and he uh, more li- post- more libertarian than conservative, but yes. Okay. And um, so really interesting, you know, just to hear his voice, again, from that personal point of view. He's a really funny guy. And, um, you know, just seeing his Facebook posts about, um, you know, just things that were happening in the news and um, his perspective as a Muslim and as a libertarian um, was just very interesting. And so I'm glad that we've had that continuing um you know, ongoing relationship, um, even if it's even if we haven't gotten a chance to speak directly with each other, um, that kind of you know, the Facebook relationship is still still a, a nice way to kind of keep in touch and see what people are caring about and posting about and sharing about. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. Um, I think in terms of. Um, Personally, and it, it, as in part of my work life, um, just the the um, format of living room conversations is really useful, you know. And I think that being able to approach people, especially, you know, I do a lot of work in politics, and um, being able to use some of the tools um, to invite people to share their perspectives and give space for um, people in a group to listen to each other um, is just very practical and useful. Um, so I've really appreciated that in particular, the tool of the living room conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Anita. Uh, Louis, just a word to you. I keep hearing some background noise, so that's why I keep throwing you on mute. Um, Loki, uh, can you anything share else your you want last to name? Sorry. Anita, can you share your last name so we can find you on Facebook and become friends? <laughs> sure. Um, Jackson. It's pretty – you might find a lot of Anita Jacksons, but Anita Sarah Jackson. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And, uh, Loki, uh, last word here, and then we're just going to open it up and have a free-for-all for the last 15 minutes or so. Oh, uh, I'm supposed to do an epilogue. Is that what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> no. Uh, after after <laughs> the guns and responsibility conversation, did you have any next steps? You know, I just I continue to stay involved uh, with a lot of different discussions. I I'm the style of person that I like to go out and sort of derail people in their thinking, so they have to start thinking another way. Um, of course, he was mentioned early on in the show by Anita just a few seconds ago. Uh, one of my hosts for the other show is a great comedian for helping me do this, um, where we just actually throw the truth out at people and get them to actually think <laughs> and realize that you don't have to be always in the forefront to do good but if you take the small steps of you know what are you passionate in what do you what do you believe in write letters throw a post out there get people to think get them away from you know the tv for a few minutes at a time and a lot can happen um and i love working or co-hosting 
with you, Debbie Lynn, as well as um, my other person, Janine, mm-hmm. and a co-host, because our point of view, even though they're similar, they're also different enough that we can actually sit down and have a conversation and learn from one another. I mean, I remember yeah, our conversation. I, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think one of the big things that came out of our, our guns and responsibility conversation that we had, Loki, was that we did start working together more. So we actually developed a, a working relationship and a personal friendship as a result of, of that conversation. Yes, we. I mean, yes, we did. And it has just blossomed um, to see all the different aspects that can happen just out of one conversation of the friendship, new connections that you can have made. And the person actually coming back and saying, well, I didn't agree with you at that point in time, but now that I look at a situation or a, your point of view a little bit more, it actually does make sense. And so it's amazing what can happen. Yeah, I know there's, uh, we're going to open this up for a free-for-all, and I just want to start with one of the things that Loki and I get to do is, is when people record their living room conversations and allow us to have, to use them as radio shows, we get to listen into a lot of them. And it it's, it's always so hard because there's always points in those conversations where I want to jump in and say something and participate. And, of course, mm-hmm. we're on a recording, so we can't do that. Um, but uh, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I hear you, Loki, and you, Rodney, both still like to convince people that you're right uh, or that your way is the right way or the truth. <laughs> so, There's only one real truth, but, and I have it, so there you go. <laughs> of course. Uh, and that's, that's part of that objective reality I was thinking about earlier, that's too, it. compared to subjective reality. Um, that's right. That some of us think, you know, that our perception creates reality, and others people think there's a fixed reality out there. So, um, I just I crack well, up about that. With one of the shows that I actually do on my own, um, I run a group and a radio show called "The Only Thing Straight Here Is the Truth," and people just crack up about that <laughs> because. I do. That's funny. You know, here I am throwing something out at them and throwing a whole different spin on it, and that's what we need to get back to: is what is actually the truth. And I can't resist throwing in there, Lewis speaking, that um, the way I evolved into my own consciousness about uh, not just tolerating but valuing our different perspectives and dropping my own righteousness as much as I'm able to is that. It's very simple. It's, it's imagine that those six of us who are now talking are sitting in a circle, or even if not, here on the phones. We all have six different life experiences, different bodies we've lived in this whole life on Earth this time. And each of our perspectives is our truth. And the truth has to be large enough to encompass all six of them because each of these six perspectives are based upon our experiences and therefore just as true as one another's. That's where I come from. And it it really frees me to be more open to not only valuing, not only understanding, but actually valuing our differences and connecting soul to soul much more intimately than when I was stuck in my own righteousness. Thanks for that. I may have a little different perspective on that, and 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 in that. Um, this is J- This is Jacob speaking, by the way. Yeah, hi, and I'm not a Nike Republican. I'm a, a, a one of the uh, despised kind of conservatives. I'm a, not a Nike conservative, <laughs> uh, fiscally, socially, religiously conservative. But I mean, one of the things, one of the perceptions that I have seen about these conversations is that they're just relativistic. It's like we're inviting people to come into a space where it's just all, everybody has their own truth and and it doesn't really, you know, it's all equally the same. And I'll tell you what, uh, that perception kills um, any chance of conservatives participating in these conversations 
So I just want to throw out that I actually relish what Rodney said about, you know, like wanting to persuade, wanting to persuade. And I'm realizing that um, if I have any shot of learning anything new, this is the kind of conversation I need to be a part of because where else am I going to be exposed to other thoughtfully articulated views of truth and have a chance to share my own? Invariably, when that happens, I come away seeing my own experience a little differently and being persuaded of what I'm hearing from others. Um, I've uh, been in so many conversations with Marxist friends that I scare my Fox News conservative friends because they're like, you what? You have, you're you <laughs> trying to understand Marxists? Don't you realize that they, you know, they're all like Stalin, you know? <laughs> And and I've I've learned some powerful things. But the point I'm making is I've been persuaded by my Marxist friends in these conversations because it's the only place where I you know, we can drop our defenses and be vulnerable. And I find it a persuasive place where I can learn more truth. And so I, I also think that these the bottom line is these conversations for me are a place where I learn a lot about truth and I I kind of think uh, we all have different parts of the truth, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, well, I, think <laughs> I, feel, I, um, I feel like that's exactly what I was saying. So it's just a matter of semantics. I'm totally with you, and it feels exactly the way I feel. So thanks, oh, thanks Lewis. Anita? Yeah, I really appreciate this conversation. And, um, you know, I, I am... Really resonating with what Jacob said, that one thing that I look forward to in participating in a living room conversation is not only just sharing my own perspective, but the idea that, you know, you know, my work so much is in public policy, and there is some objective truth that we need to base policy on, you know. So when we're talking about something that's not just about ourselves, but affecting, you know, millions of people then we need to agree on, um, you know, what the truth is. And, you know, and that's right, that's the whole art of politics is convincing decision makers and convincing the voting public that the, the truth that you have is the actual truth and that your policy will, you know, affect that, the, whatever um, fact that you're working with the best. And, um and I think the living room conversations have the um, potential to help us define that truth better. You know, not only, again, not just the four people who are participating, but from kind of a larger policy view. And I think there are some important ways in which, you know, truth is objective. <laughs> and there are ways that we talk about it that can minimize some truths and, you know, amplify Others. I have an interesting um, colleague um, who was a colleague back in the day who does human rights data analysis, and so interesting. You know, he actually testified um, in an international criminal court against Milosevic, and Milosevic was, you know, this dictator was arguing that it wasn't his policies that caused thousands and you know millions of people to flee that it was actually like the NATO bombings that were causing people to flee. <laughs> and my friend's data analysis was able to show objectively, you know, that despite what he claimed, no, it was actually his, you know, his policy of genocide that was causing people to flee and not NATO. And anyway, so, I mean, I, I just thought that's an interesting um, story that kind of sheds light on how we frame the truth and how that can affect you know, the lives and livelihood of whole groups of people. That kind of, you know, it kind of opens up to me, you know, the the debate uh, that we have about what is fact, what is science, and, you know, and how how do we use the word theory or, um, you know, because I think, I don't know that we all have the same meaning for those words, and then we fight over what what they are anyway. Right. Anybody have something right. to add on that? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess like like. Um, and this is Rodney. When you, when you try, this is Rodney. I'm sorry. 
when you try to figure out, um, you, you kind of an epistemological point of view, like what 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 is the truth and what is knowledge? What do these words mean? I mean, living room conversation kind of brings that out because people who don't share your political leanings or your philosophical leanings will call you out on your mess, meaning that you know you 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 think you're not making assumptions. You think you're you think you're being objective and open-minded, but when someone there who looks at the world totally different than you do, they will call you out on your biases and your presumptions. I mean, and that's kind of the beauty of it. And when you say to yourself, like, wow, that that really is a bias on my on my part. That really is, I really have to look at that again. You know, I, I, you know, I, I could actually be totally wrong on that issue. Now, it's never happened with me. But I mean, I've seen it. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, but 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 I, I can empathize when it does happen to other people when I start speaking my truth and they finally see the light. But when um, <laughs> but, but but it actually has happened to me. That's why I can speak on it. But it, it's, uh, I mean, the beauty of that is actually dealing with someone who doesn't think like you do, and they call you in your stuff, and and you really go home and say, God, that person was right, you know, and that that, that that's really important. And so, so it, it broadens your perspective when you listen to everything on news or on radio or on the Internet. It's like, okay, I, could, I, I actually could be wrong about that issue. And I think that's a real powerful part of living room conversations and what it does. And I hate to say it. And I hate, and I hate to say it. And I do hate to say it. Well, well, I appreciate that you said it anyway. And, and I, a question for all of you is, is being open-minded kind of a prerequisite for coming to a living room conversation? Um, no, I'm gonna say no because because living room conversations will force you to be open minded. So I'm saying, I mean, the people that generally get invited to these things are fairly. You think they're fairly open minded, but the deal mm-hmm. is, is it, it just kind of rips the illusions from your eyes that you're being. You think you're being open minded when in fact you're not, and I think that's the beauty of talking to people that don't share your point of view. Man, I'm so cool. I'm so open-minded until someone calls you and your stuff. I like what I like what Rodney just said. I resonate with that because, it, I mean, if I'm hearing you right, Rodney, it's like the practice invites open-mindedness, even right. when we're in kind of a stubborn mood or like, you know, I, you know, I ha- I know it all. Um, mm. I resonate with that, and and I actually think to your question on facts, Debbie Lynn, for me at least that. Living room conversation brings together the subjective and the objective, uh, where, from my perspective, like our perceptions don't create all our realities, they create part of our realities, and then there's another part that's objective. And so when I come into a living room conversation, we're all sharing our perception of objective reality, and we're kind of trading our best account of like what we're seeing in a vulnerable way. And and I love also, Rodney, that you're saying in a way that says, I'm not certain. I mean, I could be wrong. Let's hear what you're seeing. And kind of a method of moving us all towards a fuller view of it all. Anyway, cool. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. Thank well, you for that. Just, uh, one one last jump. comment. We have about a, a minute left. Who's taking the floor? Well, I wish there was time for the people calling in to make it broader. So let's do another hour together. But I know we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. We've, we've had people, uh, just so you all know, we've had people popping in and out online, um, and, but no callers. So people oh, have been okay. listening Great. to us as we've been having a conversation through the Internet. And, of course, Great. the podcast will be available uh, as well. So, uh, I, so I'm going to just close then and say thank you all for, for being with us today. Uh, this has been Living Room Conversations uh, on Coffee Party Radio. And um, I can't wait to have Living Room Conversations with each and every one of you because I think it would be a ton of fun. And maybe we should do this all together in a video conference or something. Um, yes, good. It would be great. Sure. So Rodney, <laughs> Rodney, Lewis, Jacob, Anita, thank you so much. And Loki, would you take us out of here? Maybe. You've been listening to uh, Wake uh, Coffee Party USA Radio Network Living Room Conversation.
technical problems on a live show. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I'm the guy that edits the show afterwards to put it up on podcast, so it will sound great at the end. Thanks, everybody, for being part of the conversation, and have a great day. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything.